Welcome to Four Stats for Success Podcast. This is our very first podcast. I am your host, Brandon, but before we get into everything, let me take a second to tell you a little bit about this podcast. We are a sports podcast with a focus on sports betting. We'll talk fantasy, we'll talk against the spread. Every week this football season, we will come to you with four stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, maybe even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. With me this week to talk to some sports is the most knowledgeable and funny guys I know, Chase. Say hello, Chase. How you doing, everybody? All right, and we'll just jump right into it. This past weekend of the NFL season was absolutely crazy. What did you take away from this weekend, Chase? I took that I hope the NFL has a great insurance plan. A lot of people have went down. A lot of teams have took major hits. And honestly, I don't really know how many of these teams will bounce back or, or rebuild from any of these hits that they took this weekend. Uh, just start looking at the Cowboys. They've already lost Dez. Now Romo is out, which I'm pretty sure they knew Romo was going to go out at some point, but not this type of injury. Also, the Saints are also losing their quarterback, Drew Brees. Um, Eddie Lacy is also down for a couple of weeks. So injuries are just popping up everywhere. Teams that are winning, teams are winning that aren't supposed to be winning. Um, the NFL is all over the place. I'm pretty sure some clarity will come to the league in a couple of weeks, but Right now, I don't know what direction is going in. Yeah, that's actually a great point about the injuries. They were they were pretty big, and I don't know if the injuries had the effect of the big dogs winning, but there's a lot of big dogs that cashed. In fact, five of the biggest money line dogs this weekend all cashed. The Bucks beat the Saints, the Raiders beat the Ravens, the Jaguars beat the Dolphins, and if you actually took a hundred bucks and put it on the money line of the Bucks, Raiders, Jaguars. Cowboys and Jets, you would you would be paid over fifty three thousand dollars for for those five games. So I have to ask you, Chase. Uh, I'm assuming that you did that parlay. You saw the Bucks, Raiders, Jaguars, and Jets all winning. Um, no, if I did, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I would probably be in Miami right now. Miami? I'm going to somewhere a little more exotic than that, but to um, each their own. Miami has strip clubs. And other activities that I would like to participate in. <laughs> I don't blame. I think if you have $53,000 from betting on football, you can do whatever you want with your money. If I go to jail in Miami, they will be able to, I can get bailed out by my family. If I go to jail in Italy, it's going to be a bigger problem. <laughs> that is true. Speaking of big problems, uh, how big of a problem do you think it is that Roma went down? Um, it's a huge problem. Um, once again, the Cowboys are used to him going down. It's, pretty much guaranteed it comes every year just like Christmas but uh this year um I think the Cowboys were really thinking Super Bowl or bust so for him to go down um and they I think they just put him on the inactive list so he can't even return until week 11 uh that's basically I believe it's a bye week in between there so that's nine games guaranteed without Romo um once again, I don't think Romo is the best player on that team. I don't think Dez is the best player on, the t- on that team also. I think those five big guys up front are the best players on the team. So as long as they're healthy, I think they'll be able to make something. But it's going to really be hard to turn, you know, tuna into lobster. It's, it's just going to be a, a big struggle for them uh, fighting uphill. Um, they're in a pretty weak division. Uh, but once again, it's just week two. You never know what, what could really happen because all of the teams in the division – actually have an opportunity to, you know, try to take over the division. And they all have weapons that could actually end up winning their division and also maybe making some noise later in the playoffs. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Um, I I think for our stat, too, is 
is the rankings of these Redskins. The Redskins bring the number one defense in the league into week three. Uh, I would argue that the Redskins may be the team to beat in the NFC East now. And as crazy as that sounds, they are healthy. They're able to run the ball. They're the number one team in the league in rushing. They now have two backs now that uh, it's Matt Jones. Is that the name? Yeah, Matt Jones is the new guy. Yeah, with Alfred Morris. Um, number one defense, one of the top rushing teams. If you, It just seems that what Dallas lost may be too big to recover from. Do you think the Redskins have a chance to win the NFC East? No, I don't think the Redskins don't have a chance of doing anything except for probably selecting a new quarterback next year in the draft. <laughs> Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll finish worse than the Giants or even the Eagles? No, I don't think. I don't think that they'll finish worse than either of those teams. Um, it might be a you know a dog fight at the bottom, but I honestly don't think that they'll finish better than any of those teams because even still, with uh, Philly struggling on offense, um, Eli not being able to find Odell Beckham, I really think that even if those teams played, that they could still beat the Redskins home or away. Yeah, I guess we'll actually find out this Thursday the Redskins actually played the Giants. Um, but I may be looking at the Redskins that game. If you look at what the Redskins are doing on offense and defense, they're actually outgaining opponents by 127 yards per game. Uh, to put that in perspective, the Giants have been outgained themselves by 80 yards a game and Philly by 65 yards a game. So I don't think it's it's crazy to believe that the Redskins can beat the Giants this week. And if so, they will be right in line to contend for the NFC East. Yes, but the Redskins, they're a franchise of, um, for lack of better term uh, terms, losers. I mean, just think about it. Since 1990, since 1991, they've only won three divisional championships. They won 91, 99, and then, of course, the RG3 um, divisional championship. So I really just don't understand how they could they could do it. They're just not built. They're a franchise of losers. They're used to going to get big names, and they're, and they're not producing. Don't forget about the whole Albert Hainsworth deal. Um, even the whole RG3 thing. Don't think that the ghost of RG3 has disappeared. Um, the moment that Kirk Cousins has that game where he throws those three interceptions, and they will come. I know they're running the football, but those three interception games will come. And the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to call for RG3. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, I'm not expecting Whedon not to have three interception games. So because that Romo is down, because there's no Dez, I don't see the Cowboys as much of a threat either. If the Redskins win the division, I'm not saying it's because they're good and going to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying that the division is just so weak that it seems like they have a clear path to get that, what I think you said it would be the fourth division title since 1991. Well, Jason Garrett doesn't trust Whedon. Jerry Jones doesn't trust Whedon. You saw his face when, when Romo went down. Uh, I think they signed Matt Castle today. I don't think Whedon will throw the ball that much. I think our defense, their defense, the Cowboys' defense has been holding their own. Um, they've had a bend but don't break policy. Um, where we have a running, they have a running back team by committee: uh, McFadden, Randall, and Dunbar. Um, so I think Whedon will be forced to throw the ball, but I think they're going to be short passes. Just uh, the home run pass that he threw, it was only a, 
an eight yards quick uh, slant or a skinny post, however you like to call it, and he, he hit a home run there. But even if the Cowboys don't win that division, uh, I like the Eagles' talent. Um, I also like New York's talent. I love New York's receiving call with Randall Odell, and reports are that uh, Victor Cruz is working his way back into the lineup. So I'm assuming that he will be back soon, uh, especially if they have a bye week coming up. And I really think that Manning will be able to get the ball to those receivers, and I think they can make some things happen. Uh, just keep in mind, I know they're 0-2, but they started 0-2 in 2007 and went on to win a Super Bowl. So the Eagles, I mean, excuse me, the Giants are known for getting hot at the end of the year. Um, I really just, I don't, I really don't have that much faith in the Redskins. Without RG3, which many people were calling him their messiah, I still think he is. I just don't think that he's been given the opportunity or put in the right situation for him to be successful. Um, how, yeah. how good would the Redskins actually be with RG3 back there with these two running backs compared to Kirk Cousins? I think yeah. that that would be a, that would probably be a real argument for winning the division, but with Kirk Cousins, it's, I, I just don't trust it at all. Well, that's interesting. And I feel like uh, this may be a conversation for another week, maybe the week that RG3 does get back in there. Um, but you make a good point about the Giants wide receivers. It's hard to think that with Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz, and just Eli Manning being able to put it up to those guys that they can't put up points. Um, as important as wide receivers have been this year, I think this year has the story has really been about the tight end, uh, which will lead us into our third step for this podcast. Um, tight ends are having a career year. They scored more touchdowns in week one than in any week in NFL history. Um, I started looking at this from a fantasy perspective and when you look at tight ends, when you're drafting, it doesn't matter if it's DraftKings, a one-day league, or a season league with your, your buddies on ESPN. When you're looking at tight ends, you only feel like there's a, a couple top guys, right? You have Gronk, you have Graham, which who hasn't showed up this year. But it, that's not the case this year. It seems like there's a lot of tight ends performing. Um, when I went back and looked at the numbers, what I saw that last year in 2014 – there were only nine tight ends that produced more than 10 points per game. Uh, two weeks into 2015, there have been 16 tight ends that are averaging more than 10 points per game. What do you contribute to this to? Is it the talent that's in the league? Is it the way the game is being played? What are your thoughts on this? I think it's a combination of things. Uh, first, let's start tight ends. You know, Historically, tight ends were big bruisers, basically an extra blocker. Um, now that the league has became a passing league, uh, what better way to get another wide, another receiver on the field than getting a oversized wide receiver to play tight end? Uh, no one's asking these guys to block. Um, basically, they're just threats that create um, outrageous mismatch, mismatches. I mean, look at Jimmy Graham, for example. He was basically a power forward in college basketball. Uh, he led his team in block shots. Uh, you take him and then you throw him on the football field and you basically just tell them to go up and get it. Uh, you can't put them against a linebacker. A linebacker, of course, is too slow uh, for a basketball player, for ex-basketball player. Uh, then you can't put him against a safety or a wide receiver, I mean, or a cornerback, uh, because he's probably going to be a foot taller than them. Um, so I think it's a, just a combination of things. Uh, they're scouting and looking for different things uh, in a wide receiver. And also, we all know it's a passing league, and – so you really don't need those, you know, those blocking tight ends that they used to have in the past 
uh, you're looking for another receiver. So the recruiting for a wide receiver is, I mean, for a tight end is completely different. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. It's it's more than just the game change. What it reminds me of is if you remember a couple of years ago when Victor Cruz exploded, it seemed like that was the year of the slot receiver. Um, you just had these guys that we always saw of the wide receivers, these big outside guys. And then suddenly there's Victor Cruz doing five yard slant routes and just getting the ball in space and putting up huge numbers. And it seems like this year is the year of the tight end. They've discovered like everything you said, they're no longer these big beefy guys out there to put a block on a linebacker. They're, they're fast, ridiculously athletic guys that are more athletic than the linebacker that's covering them. So it really seems that offenses have realized this maybe over the off season, or maybe it's just the Gronk effect that they realize that an athletic tight end can't be covered by a linebacker. Um, but whatever it is, the, the point differential in, in fantasy is just astounding. Um, I took the, the top five guys from last year. So your Gronks, your Jimmy Graham's, the top five last year averaged 15.76 uh, fantasy points a game. This is in PPR leagues. The top five this year is averaging 21.35 points a game. That's a significant difference. It's a touchdown difference. And to kind of put it in perspective, if you have one of the six through 10 uh, rated tight ends right now in fantasy football, they're putting up 14.96 points a game, which is basically what the top five did last year. So it really does seem like the tight end is here to stay and they're going to keep taking advantage of the mismatch that it presents. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I'm, I honestly don't believe, I honestly don't know why teams haven't gone through a, you know, to a double tight. Of course, the Hernandez and Gronk situation, uh, that was basically unstoppable. Uh, I watched the Cowboys. They're using double tight ends. I honestly think that's their best set when they go Witten and Escobar. And um, a lot of other teams, I think they should do it too, because the double tight end set, if you get a tight end that can block a little bit, but also a pass threat, uh, you can basically use that as a disguise to run or pass in, and uh, that gives you uh, a few more options with your offense. So I'm pretty, I'm not sure why the double tight end set hasn't uh, become more popular with a lot of teams. But once again, it might be kind of hard to find two tight ends that could produce at those levels. But uh, they're popping yeah, I, up all over the league. So yeah, it, it seems like there's more and more tight ends available. Um, just to, one further point on what you're saying is I think I read the other day that the Patriots used a four tight end set in week one. So it seems like that the league definitely could go to that way where it looks like a power formation and then suddenly they're they're splitting the tight ends out wide and just going to have mismatches all over the field because the defense has already responded to the tight ends being on the field. Um, so that will lead us up to every week we're going to get together and give you our DraftKings lineup. And we're going to compete and see who does the best and who's better at putting down a fantasy team. So, Chase, did you or I put together your fantasy team for this week? Well, certainly, I'll put together my fantasy team this week. Um, hopefully, they'll cash in and I'll win some money from DraftKings. I honestly would be happy with a $100 win, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> I'll take it how it comes. But uh, let's go ahead and give a rundown through my lineup. Uh, quarterback, I have to go with Brady. Um, since Goodell has pissed him off, I guess he plans on pissing off the rest of the NFL himself. Uh, he has been tearing the NFL apart. Um, once again, you know, DraftKings um, is a league where you have to cut costs somewhere. So I decided to actually cut costs with my running backs. Um, sticking on the Patriots bandwagon, I'm going with Deion Lewis. He had a very productive week 
Um, had a very productive week uh, the week before, the last two weeks, honestly. And if Tom Brady continues to blow teams out in the first half or get decent leads, leads then, of course, they're going to put the ball into the hands of their running back to run down that clock. So I went ahead and stuck with Deion Lewis. Um, I, also, I'm guessing with um, the the Patriots playing – Jacksonville Jaguars. That seems what you're like. What you're saying, they plan to blow them out and then just have Lewis take the ball in the second half. So you definitely have to like that pick. For do you know what his cost was? Uh, his cost uh, four thousand two hundred dollars. Uh, that, that's that's definitely still a running back. Um, also, I took uh, the follow up with Lewis. I took another risk at running back. I went ahead and took James Starks. Uh, he actually ran the ball pretty well uh, once Lacey went down and. Another similar situation with Aaron Rodgers. Now, they are playing a tougher opponent this week. They have uh, Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City has looked pretty good this year. Uh, actually, I think they could have been 2-0 against Payton, but they choked that game away uh, with the fumble. Um, but Starks look pretty good running the ball, and, of course, he's not going to have many people in the box with Aaron Rodgers back there. Um, then I went to my wide receivers. This is probably where I spent my money at. Uh, Odell Beckham. Um, everybody knows Odell. Um, he's definitely a household name. Uh, men, women, and children all know who he is. He's also playing in one of the hugest markets. Uh, so, of course, he's going to get the ball. They're force-feeding him the ball. Uh, he's not only talent, talented, but he's also a star. Uh, also, I went uh, wide receiver. I went and got Larry Fitzgerald. I did a lot of reading. Of course, he had a big week this week, uh, three touchdowns. But I did a lot of reading. Um, this this offseason, he really sat down with his coaches and his quarterbacks, and they really – got on the same page and from what I'm hearing this is the first time that they're on the same page and two years two to three years ago everybody thought Larry Fitzgerald had the best hands in the league and I don't think his talent level ever dropped off I just think that the offense went in another direction so I really think that if they start going back towards him I think he'll be productive he can catch the deep ball and he can also be a possession receiver yeah that's Um, actually very good knowledge I uh, I guess me and the rest of the world just assumed it was a decline in skills. But if he hasn't been on the same page as uh, Bruce Arian, who is known as being an offensive guru, then maybe that is the decline in his numbers. And it did seem that Carson Palmer went out of his way to uh, get Larry Fitzgerald his targets. And I don't believe he would do that if he did believe that his skills were diminished. So you do have to like that pick as well. All right, my other one, uh, once again, just jumping back on those injuries that occurred this week. I'm going Terrence Williams. Um, Days is gone. Um, also, I'm hit Romo's gone. I'm also hearing that I'm also hearing that Witten has a chance that he's listed as questionable for the game. So even if he's not 100%, uh, the only wide receiver that I think can catch a ball on the Cowboys team may be Terrence Williams. And they're going to stack the box against the Cowboys, so I'm pretty sure that he will get his touches and his targets. So I'm pretty sure that he'll have a pretty decent game. So I went there. Uh, also, we just gave you about five minutes talking about tight ends. So I spent my big money. I had to go with Gronk. He's a pretty short thing. Uh, flex. I'm a flex player. Uh, my money was running low, so I had to take someone that I pretty much can count on. I, I took Carlos Hyde. He's questionable, but all reports say that he'll be in uniform. He'll probably sit out the first couple of days of practice, but he'll be in uniform. Um, so he'll take on Arizona. He'll take on Arizona this week. So I think Carlos Hyde will probably bounce back a little. A little. I'm pretty sure he won't have the same type of game he had in Week One, but I think he'll bounce back and have a solid game. He's a powerful downhill runner, um, and with, with him and Kaepernick in the backfield, you don't know who will have the ball. So I think that'll help. And then also, I, I went with the All Faithful. Um, I know the Ravens' defense has took some licks 
uh, especially with losing Stokes for the season. Uh, but I think still it's still a defensive-oriented team, and I still think that they'll be able to find a way to get you some fantasy points. So I took it as far as defense, I will with Ravens. Yeah, also, I was, I was running pretty low on money, so uh, it was the best. It was the best bang from a buck. Yeah, I, I I do find it interesting uh, that with our talk about tight ends, how there seems to be death that you still went with Gronk, but like you said, he is a sure thing. And even though uh, there seems to be a lot of tight ends producing, no one is still producing at Gronk's level. So I do see why you would be willing to spend the money on that. But I did not go that direction. Um, for my team, I went with Vernon Davis at tight end. I went with value there because of what we were saying that there were so many tight ends producing. So what did you spend on Gronk? It looks like $7,400. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's at least a a semester of college or so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he was about $7,400 and uh, Vernon Davis with $3,200. So that's where I went for discount. Um, I'm going to start at the top of my lineup, though, from now. I went with Andy Dalton, and I guess for the same reasons that you you were talking about Baltimore, I I think that Suggs' loss is pretty huge, and I am I was getting kind of a discount on him, uh, $5,700. And they just have – what hasn't really been spoken about this offseason is the Bengals' weapons. Uh, of course, you know about A.J. Green, and – it looks like Hill, I don't know if he's lost his starting job or just going to split more carries with Bernard, but you have two solid backs back there. And you, Tyler Effort, Eifert excuse me, has exploded on the scenes, and you still have Marvin Jones. You just have all this athleticism everywhere. So even if the Ravens D decides to take away A.J. Green or take away the running game, there's, he just has so many weapons that I'm not really – I'm pretty comfortable taking him against a good defense. As far as my running backs, it's really funny that you went discount with running backs because we didn't talk about our fantasy lineups before the show, and I did the exact same thing. I went cheap with my running backs. Uh, So I have Latavius Murray at $5,800. I went with Latavius Murray because this is a PPR league. So uh, against Cleveland, he's going to get some catches. He's going to get fed the ball. Cleveland's defense is nothing to be scared of. Um, And then I went with Joseph Randall. Uh, I expect teams to stack the box against Dallas because there is no outside threat. But at the same time, we're playing the Falcons defense. I'm not sure even if they stack the box that they'll be able to completely shut down the Dallas run game. That offensive line is just too ridiculously good. And at 15, uh, it was $5,100 for Joseph Randall. I just feel like you can't get a better buy than him. I think that was a pretty good buy. And also, I watched Randall on week one. He actually caught the ball out of the backfield better than he ran it, in my opinion. Um, So I I think that is definitely a good decision there. Uh, Randall is, honestly, he's more of a Darren Sproles guy to me than I think an actual running back. Um, The Cowboys are kind of slim pickings right now with letting DeMarco walk. Uh, But I think Randall is a a very versatile uh, back, but I think he's probably better receiving out of uh, the backfield. So in that league, I, I really think that he could probably rack up some points. Well, oh, it's it's interesting you would compare him to Sproles. Uh, but either way, I, I mean, if he's catching the ball out of the backfield, even better for me. Uh, wide receivers, I went kind of the route you did. I spent some money. On, I spent all my money on wide receivers. Uh, for my first pick, I took Julio Jones at $9,000, which just seems like a ridiculous sum when you're only given $50,000. But uh, Julio Jones for nine thousand dollars playing the Dallas's defense, I I 
I just don't see them stopping him. Do you think that Dallas has a, a chance to shut down Julio? Um, the Dallas lost their best cover corner this year when they lost Orlando Scandrick. No one probably wants to admit it. Rex Ryan called it a couple of years ago. He said that Scandrick was the best DB on that team. The reason why is because uh, he takes risks. He's gritty. He's not out there trying to be pretty. Um, he doesn't mind getting in your face. He'll take a penalty if he knows down the road is you know is going to give him a le- give him leverage uh, for taunting or something like that. So I actually like that. I don't think the Cowboys always struggle with covering wide receivers uh, that are very large. Um, they can't car can't cover a big receiver at all. Uh, neither can Church. Uh, as far as the safety. So I do think that that is a, a definitely a good play. Uh, Cowboys have always struggled against large receivers. Yeah, I, I I just, I mean, Julio looks like he's the best in the world right now, so it's hard to bet against him. Uh, to go along with Julio, I actually spent another $8,000 on Demarius Thomas. So I, it's hard not to love having, if this was real life, having Julio on one side and Demarius on the other. But the reason I went with Demarius is right now the Denver Broncos rank last in the league in offense. And I I just don't believe that's going to stay at that level. Um, I don't really – I think Detroit's defense looks completely different this year. Um, and Demarius, in my opinion, is still one of the top five talents at wide receiver. So I have no problem spending the $8,000 on him. And you definitely know Peyton Manning is going to throw the ball 40 times. So if he throws the ball 40 times, 10 of them will go to Demarius uh, because he's just so big, so strong, so fast. And and honestly, Peyton loves him as far as he loves him in the red zone and he really loves him on those tight sideline passes. So I really think that those areas where the window is really small, he can throw the ball to Demarius because Demarius can use his size to create a, a space. Uh, Demarius really doesn't blow past people. He's not one of those receivers that creates huge space, but with his size and his catching ability, then he can uh, create the necessary space for Peyton to throw the ball into him. He's one of those people that don't look open, but they really are open. Yeah, every time it, it goes his way, it seems like he comes down with it. And like I said, it's more than anything, it seems like it's just a fade against the trend of the Broncos being last in the NFL in yards, because that just doesn't seem right. Um, to add to my wide receiving car- core, I went a little bit cheaper and went with uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, you just you know Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball. I know Kansas City's defense is good, but if they take away Cobb, Adams seems like their only other option. And at $5,000, uh, I felt like I was getting a steal, especially after I spent all my money on Julio and Demarius. So I didn't have a lot of options there, but I did like it for the money I was spending. And like I like I talked about earlier, I did put in Vernon Davis at the tight end spot. Uh, for my flex, um, I feel like this may be the best value in all of DraftKings right now for the price is Devontae Freeman for Atlanta. Uh, he was $4,600, and Coleman is probably going to be out this week. Um so the the load comes on Freeman, and although he's a smaller back, he's extremely explosive, and I think he can carry the load for one game. Really looks like you're picking on that Cowboy defense, but uh, Freeman Freeman actually last year he had a good year last year, and also um, the training camp I believe he was his rookie year. I think he's a Florida State guy. If I'm if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's a Florida State guy. Uh, but Freeman actually had a very good rookie training camp, and he finished the season pretty good last year. Uh, he lost he lost the uh, the battle this year, but I think he'll probably come in with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, but to hop back up to um, your other wide receiver, um, 
I think that James Jones might cut into some of those catches. Uh, don't forget James Jones was one of Aaron Rodgers' top receivers a couple years ago. And as you've seen, uh, he's pretty comfortable with James Jones. I think James Jones has caught a touchdown in week one and also in week two. So James Jones might actually steal some of those touches from away from your guy. Well, that's interesting uh, because you can actually get James Jones for cheaper than Devontae Adams. So if I'm wrong on that, then that could really kill the team this week. But um, I'm looking forward to going against you and seeing who comes out on top this week. Uh, For my defense, I did put in the Cardinals. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't come down to defensive points scored, but I did take the Cardinals simply because they're playing San Francisco and they look pretty one-dimensional and I'm actually hoping they shut down Hyde. So that'll keep you from getting some points. But uh, that is my fantasy lineup for this week. Uh, Andy Dalton, Latavius Murray, Joseph Randall, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Demarius Thomas, Vernon and Davis, Devontae Freeman, and the Cardinals defense. Now uh, we're going to go into the last segment of our show. And each week we want to leave you with a little bit tidbit of information for the gambling week ahead. Uh, So we're going to just go ahead and talk a little bit about one game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say my part and I'll let uh, Chase say what he wants to say if he wants to add anything about this game. But I dug into a little bit. So Andrew Luck and company come off a short week and head to Tennessee to play the Titans. So for the fourth and final stat of this podcast, Andrew Luck is an unsurprisingly 6-0 straight up against the Titans, but he's also an impressive 6-0 against the spread. He's covered each spread by an average of six points per game. He's thrown the ball 197 times, completing 121 of them. That's a 61.4% completion ratio for an astounding almost 1,500 yards. He has eight touchdowns in these six games with five interceptions. Uh, He's done it on the ground too, rushing for 112 yards on 27 carries in his career against the Titans. Uh, What I really like about this game is the Titans defense, pass defense, hasn't really been challenged yet. They had the luxury of facing Jameis Winston in his first ever NFL start. And then in week two, they got to face Johnny Manziel. Manziel only threw the ball 15 times against the Titans, but he did manage 172 yards. Mariota himself really hasn't been pushed much either. He only attempt, is only attempting 26.5 passes a game. That's actually the 29th fewest in the NFL. And though we really haven't seen him drop back much, when we have, he's been sacked a league high 14.52% of the time. To put that in perspective, the league average is 5.9%. So that means when Mariota drops back, he's almost three times li- more likely to get sacked than any other quarterback. Uh, the Colts' Andrew Luck sack percentage, on the other hand, is the fifth lowest in the NFL right now at only 2%. So the, defi- the Titans' defensive numbers seem inflated uh, against some lower-ranked quarterbacks, and Andrew Luck is not in that tier of Winston and Menzel. And right now, you can get the Colts minus three at Westgate in Vegas or at five dimes offshore. Uh, I, I would go with that pick, even though Andrew Luck burned me uh, Monday night. Um when he has a great record Monday night football, but uh, neither here nor there. I definitely think that the Colts uh, will bounce back this week. Um, once again, I, they don't want to go three and zero, so I think the Titans will probably be a definite a definite win for them uh, because their back back is basically against the wall. Uh, but I also am a little a little scared. A little uh, after what I saw from Week One from Mariota, I'm sure for a fact that he won't produce like that uh, going down the stretch. Um, that showed in week two when um, he basically looked like the rookie that he is. Uh, but there's not a lot of tape on a guy. And as I've learned, when there's not a lot of tape on them, defenses have a hard time uh, determining how they want to uh, 
approach the game. I'm sure they're going to try to force him to throw the ball and uh, cut off his running lanes. Uh, but I still think that he might have a good opportunity to uh, have a good game because they, their defense didn't get to Fitzpatrick the other day. And uh, the Jets' offensive line is it's not a bad offensive line, but it's, it's nothing to write home about. Um, so I think that the Colts are a sure win, but uh, watch out for Mark. Yeah, and I guess that what I'm saying is that uh, because that Andrew Luck, I believe that Andrew Luck is going to be able to score pretty easily on the Titans' defense that it could become a shootout type of game. And Mariota, because he hasn't dropped back that often, and in fact, the game that you're talking about where he had success, I think he only had 15 or 17 passes in that game. So he hasn't really had to consistently perform where the game was on his shoulders. So that's why I do like the Colts, but it does sound like we agree for the most part. Um, And really, that is all for us this week. Uh, We would like to thank you for listening in. And if you do work in the sports gambling world, we would love to have you on. You can actually contact us at 4stats4success at gmail.com. For everyone else, if you want to give us any feedbacks or interact with us, do so on Twitter. That's at 4stats4success. That's not the preposition for F-O-R. It's the number four, not spelled out. It's just the number four. So it would be the number four stats for success. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Add us on Twitter. And I want to thank you. say thank you again to Chase. Uh, you think you're going to be here for again next week? I certainly will. And before I leave, uh, Urban Meyer, start JT Barrett. He got you there. Go back to him. Yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll touch on college football next week. That's all for us, and we thank you guys.